Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with resident strength coach, John Carroll. The Pillars of Health is on a quest to help you gain insight into the best ways you can manage stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition in order to live your best life. Find exclusive content on our Patreon page and stay up to date with the latest Pillars of Health podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at CoachJohnCarroll.com. All right, and we're back! <laughs> to quote uh, Jimmy Fallon of SNL, one of my favorite skits of all time. Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast. My name is Jonathan Carroll. I'm joined today by Alex Tansky. Hello. And Chris Mullins. Hi. So, welcome, guys. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having us. Today we are covering exercise and goals. So this is a, another pillar of the four pillars of health. Uh, last time out, we covered stress and stress management. But today, yeah, we're getting into some exercise or training and how that relates to people's goals. Before we delve in headfirst, let's just go ahead and kind of touch on a couple of things. A little bit of housekeeping. We are officially on iTunes. Contain your excitement over there. Okay. Spread the word. The Pillars of Health podcast, we are up and running. You can also check out this podcast on coachjohncarroll.com, and you'll find links to SoundCloud. If you want to support the podcast, we're on Patreon. Exclusive content for people who want to help us out there. A little spoiler, some exclusive content with Alex Tansky. For all those people who are influenced by the man during his days at the training room, go check out a one-on-one interview there with me and Alex, and uh, I can promise you there's some good laughs and quality information in there, so that's a good resource. All right, so before we get into our favorite articles of the week or articles that just kind of struck a chord with us, I have a little question to kind of get you thinking on your feet. All right, you guys ready? Of course. All right. What is your favorite guilty movie pleasure indulgence? Oh, man. Uh, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I have to think about it. Chris, do you know? Um, are you talking about if it's if you're flipping channels and it's on, you're like, oh my god, I have to watch this. Is that like your uh, part of it? Reg- okay, yeah. okay, part of it. Okay, or like, are you talking about actively seeking out this movie that you've already seen? 50 well, let's times? just say you're sitting down, you're not sure what you want to watch, and then this is on. You're like, all right, I know what I'm doing tonight. Inception. <laughs> uh, that's not bad. That's 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 kind of quality movies. So. Yeah, I'll have to say. Sorry, sorry. I just, oh, I just okay. cut off Alex here. I also have to say, Shawshank Redemption. Those are like really close one-two for me. Well, they're two classics like, in, in terms of like thinkers. Yeah, yeah. So unknowingly, Chris actually just did Inception on me because I was going to say <laughs> Shawshank Redemption and uh, Forrest Gump because I've seen that movie so many times and. I think even the last time I was on, my in-laws were in town, and I was quoting it to them. <laughs> uh, and they got—they had enough of that. Yeah, I was—I was thinking more along the lines of you know, Sweet Home Alabama, Legally Blonde. Not that I watched those at all, but like you know, just Made saying. in Manhattan. Made in Manhattan, another quality movie. I think. I think. Well, <laughs> I think what. I get my dose almost every week when I watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, right, yeah. <laughs> um, as well as Bachelor in Paradise, which has resumed filming, for those interested. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm just killing your listeners right now. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost around 50% of people there, but that's, that's okay. Yeah, for me, I think The Karate Kid. If you're looking at it, Mr. Miyagi is a genius. He, number one, got all his cars cleaned for free, and he got a fresh new coat on that fence, 
And all he has to do is coach a kid for a tournament. How sweet is that? Exactly. That's. I mean, that's 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 the dream. <laughs> like, we should be going to the church of Mr. Miyagi. You know, forget about this other stuff. Like, you kind of lay the foundation there. Karate is more about just fights. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but if you watch the movie, Mr. Miyagi is around seventy years old, and he beats up a group of four kids. So, kids, anything's possible. <laughs> All right, so moving on from there, uh, let's get into something we want to implement as a you know, weekly or monthly exercise on the podcast, and that is uh, articles that we kind of you know, noticed that kind of stuck out during the week, uh, maybe popped up on our social media, and there's something you wanted to mention. Um, Chris, I'm going to have you go first and kind of just mention to us what article you brought in and why it kind of struck a chord. All right, so the article that I'm going to be talking about uh, is a pretty quick one. It's actually a quick, easy read. It's on jamesclear.com. He's an author, and uh, he, has a, he has a blog that he basically interviews a lot of uh, successful people and you know, talks about behavior and what makes people tick and what makes people successful, what makes people fail, how to, and basically how to live your best life, which I think this podcast is all about as well. So, you know, this is a, I'm not getting any kickbacks from James Clear for promoting his website here, (laughs) but definitely check him out. He's got some pretty, pretty interesting reads. And this one is about how to recover when stress builds up. It's about the effects of cumulative stress. I've used this analogy before of uh, a bucket of water and, you know, your body being a bucket of water. And this is this article is actually where I got it from. Um, but if you can kind of imagine, you know, a bucket, your body is the bucket and you have a faucet that's filling the bucket and you have a hole in the bucket and the, the hole can be of any size, but it's essentially draining water out of that bucket. So essentially we're talking about inputs and outputs and energy um, and, and how you recover and if you recover. So the inputs, the faucet that's filling the bucket are your, your rest, your sleep, your recovery, um, your you know, things that you do to unwind. And the, um, the outputs, that hole in the bucket tend, are, are stress, work. Exercise falls in that category as well, so not all output, outputs are bad. But at some point, you need to meet the level of input, or rather, you need to meet the level of output with the level of input. In other words, you need to be filling that bucket up just as much as you're emptying it out. And if you're not, eventually that bucket is going to run really, really low, and that's when things like injury and illness kick in. And he actually he talks about it at the very beginning of this article um, about his uh, his first year in graduate school, and his professor told a story about how he, he um, had to put this big deal together. And he was traveling, you know, all over the world to try to, you know, to leading up to this deal. And long story short, he just ran himself ragged. He wasn't sleeping um, enough. He was always on and always presenting. And then by the time this deal came around, uh, a couple of days before the deal, he actually, his body just started to break down. He had to go to the hospital. And he actually ended up missing out on the deal. This is the professor I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. But he actually missed out on the entire deal because he was in the hospital because his body was so run down. And he right. was just he was just running on fumes at that point. So he didn't refill his bucket. Um, and that essentially is uh, you know, what the article discusses is you know, how to recover from cumulative stress. And you have two options, really. It's either refill the bucket, um, act proactively, and uh, you know, by taking a 
a proactive approach at sleep and stress management um, and recovery, or you can you know f- refill that bucket the hard way where you get sick and you're constantly getting sick or you get injured. Um, and that is your body basically forcing you to refill that bucket. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's kind of playing into the whole story of if you don't take a step back and refuel, then you'll be forced to do it by your body. And that's not a route you want to go, right? So thank you for that. Alex, what articles did you come across this week? Uh, the one uh, that kind of caught my eye was really, um, it was from uh, Precision Nutrition. It was called The Surprising Truth About Sugar. Um, and I thought it's it was... delicious? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Um, but it kind of breaks a lot of those myths because, you know, it will, we'll hear through the media and stuff like that about how bad sugar is for us and how bad, uh, you know, maybe fructose is or whatever, so people stop eating bananas. Um, and that's really not... <laughs> but they'll still have their Diet Cokes or whatever. Uh, but that's really not the issue. And it cites some research about how from 1980 to 1999, you know, sugar consumption increased. Um, but since it's actually decreased. However, you know, obesity and diabetes have become even more prevalent. So it is a great read about how, you know, obesity and stuff like that, there's no single cause. It's more of a bunch of factors put together. Right. Um, and it even goes into a little bit about lower carbohydrate diets, lower fat diets. And, you know, in the research that's come out, uh, there's not necessarily one one th- diet that works. And it kind of varies based on the person because so many things can contribute to metabolism. So I've had people tell me that they... They, when they're training for a half marathon, that they're they're using their like gels that don't have simple sugars and stuff like that. I'm like, well, actually, it it better have simple sugars, or else you're gonna have <laughs> some stomach pains along the way. Um, so, I think it's a great piece about just kind of busting the myths about sugar and kind of combat to you know nutrition. I like to say is either as simple or as complicated as you can make it. So if you're really trying to make it complicated, you got to know that there's a lot of things that factor in a lot of different types of sugar and otherwise just keep it, keep it simple. So, yeah, I think that's great advice and precision nutrition always put out some, some good material, especially on a topic nutrition, right? That can be so layered and so, so confusing for a lot of people as to what they actually do. Right. Yeah. So the article I came across kind of follows on from our episode one topic, stress. And it's actually from CNN Money by Anna Batney. And basically it says, half Americans are spending their entire paycheck or more. And that's the heading. And basically from there, she puts across a couple of figures of half America has no financial cushion. Of the 25% who say they have too much debt, 96% report being stressed, 96%. So that's just from finances, from people who are probably working a lot, add on top of that, everything else going on in their lives. And I hope people kind of get an idea from that, how much stress can negatively impact people. And that's just finances, right? So that's one part of, right, one, one part of your life that's causing a lot of stress. 
you know. But just to clarify on last week, you know, we, we talk about detrimental effects of stress. From a training point of view, we definitely need stress sometimes. You know, can you ex- kind of explain that a little bit further, Chris? Well, I think going back to what we touched upon last week, redefining stress. So life is stress. I think we, I think I heard that somewhere, read that somewhere. It might have been from Joel Jameson. I'm sure it's been said a million times before. But life is stress, really. I mean, your body is always looking... Uh, your brain really is always looking to minimize stress in some way and try to find some kind of you know happy medium, their homeostasis, right? But we need that little bit of the output, that stress to adapt. So that is the challenge. In order to get better, we need to push ourselves a little bit harder. Right. And that's basically the fundamental foundation of strength training, you right. know, um, and any kind of skill acquisition, really, because, you know, we're, our brain's lazy, our body's lazy. We're just, you know, at the, at the very base level, survival is key. And any kind of threat to that survival is a stress to the body. But in order, like I said, in order for us to, um, to really improve and get better, you know, we need to find a way to push ourselves just the right amount where it's enough to, ch- to cause that, that adaptation that we're chasing, yeah. uh, but not enough where it throws us backwards and, you right. know, we, like we talked about, it just runs us down. So yeah, just kind of getting back to your analogy of the bucket and the James Clear article, like what we're saying is just leave some room for that workout stress because by the time you get into the gym and you're at your max capacity, putting a workout on top of everything else isn't going to do a whole lot in that in that respect. So, And to kind of piggyback off of that, I think sometimes people tend to use that as an excuse for not moving at all. Right. right? So we're not, we're not saying that... Not to move. Um, not to move. We're, you know, we're saying just modify, you know, say you have a, a tough workout plan, but you had a tough day or you had a tough week. All right, well, let's just scale it back. You can still get a good quality workout. Exactly. There, but you know, put it in, in context. Sometimes it's about showing up, checking the time card, putting an hour in, maybe not pushing the boundaries too far. And then on days when you have that extra space in the bucket, feel free to do it. Yeah. All right. So from there, getting into exercise and goals as coaches, strength coaches, and you see a lot of people every week who are working, you know, nine to fives, have their weekly routine, their daily routine. When someone comes into you and they're looking to incorporate strength training in their natural daily, weekly habits, what's one thing you try to get across to that person in order to help them incorporate this as part of their, their normal day? I would say just that it, you know, it's it's going to take time. It's going to take time to build this into your routine, especially if you're not used to doing it. You, you know, you you got to make make time for it. And I think from there, it's also, you know, it's going to take time to also see the results that you want to see that, you know, we're used to getting things very quickly <laughs> in in the process of moving. I'm ordering, you know, mattress covers and boxes and I'm getting them like a day later. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> However, <America. laughs> exactly, exactly. However, when it comes to, you know, seeing lasting changes, it's going to take, it's going to take, it's going to take some time. And I think that's one of the bigger things to get across to people. And, you know, I think sometimes people will ask me how long I've, you know, how long it's taken me to lift X amount of pounds or whatever. And it's like, no, it's, it's taken years to get there. Um, And that has been a priority for me. So I think it's getting people to, uh, to make more of a like exercise more of a priority in their own life than just making sure that they can be patient enough to see the results that they want to see yeah that's a that's a really good point to try and get across about having the patience to incorporate this as a habit and don't look at it from a i'm going to do this for six months and then i'm good no this needs to be something consistently in your life you know not saying that you have to train with me for the rest of your life but like you need to strength train you need to move and have it built into your routine that way it gets done right 
Right, exactly. So from there, uh, you know, you see the quote all the time, everybody's an athlete. Part of me agrees with that. Part of me doesn't agree because the way athletes are trained is a little bit different to general population. But I definitely would say everybody is training for performance because performance can vary. Like performance of an 80-year-old grandmother is getting up the stairs to her apartment, getting down the stairs, right? Training for a high school lacrosse athlete is totally different to what she's doing. But they're definitely both going for performance, right? On top of that, you know, when someone comes in in the day and age where a lot of people are getting their, their workouts off Instagram, whatever social media platform it may be, Chris, what would you try and emphasize to that person in regards, okay, I understand you want to train for, for performance. Maybe they're looking to go above and beyond of what you may think they're capable of. How do you kind of scale back those, those hopes and dreams when maybe the person thinks that they should be doing more complex things than what they should? Well, I think it comes back to Number one, we always want to cater towards their goals, but we have to educate them on what it takes to get there and making sure that we're not discouraging them saying, you know, you're going to take, it's going to take two years to do this. You know, we, don't, we don't want to say that. We don't want to provide a specific timeline because it's really hard to, to find that, but making little goals along the way and say, all right, this is your long-term goal. This is your big goal. Okay. Let's make some little goals along the way to measure the progress because that's the biggest detriment to people not progressing is not seeing measurable progress. You can do all the burpees you want. You can do all the, the cardio you want. You can do you know, all the just random strength training you want just to get a sweat on. But if you're not measuring it against something, then how do you know you're progressing? So the, that's, that's the first step I would say. All right, this is your goal. That's great. Let's work on it. Here's what it's going to take to get there. Let's get to here first and then go to here first. We have to get to first base before we get to second base. We have to get to second base before we get to third. We can't just go, uh, you know, straight through to third, you know? Right. Yeah. So from a personal standpoint, when I'm talking with someone initially, before we even start training, I mentioned, let's get an idea of maybe what your goals are and, you know, set that, that objective. But then in order to get to that goal, you need to have a process goal. Like what are the routines? What are the habits you're doing daily, weekly, monthly? They're going to help get you there. And I think that breaks it down a little bit better for people because it's cool. Okay. I want to deadlift 500 pounds or I want to be able to walk up a flight of stairs without getting out of breath. It's just not going to happen on its own. It's going to take some consistent training and incorporate, like we said, into your daily routine in order to get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You you brought up goals and process. And I think we're a very goal-oriented society. But what happens when you get to that goal? I think Eric Cressy's, you know, had an article about this. You get to that goal and great, you know, for Alex, for example, deadlifted, what, 571, 570, 571. So Alex deadlifted 571. That was... Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, strength freak, like me, insanely but, strong person. And you know, and people, yes, true, this is true. Um, uh. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave. <laughs> but what people don't realize, and Alex just said it a few, like ten minutes ago or so, what it takes to get there. It took years to get there, and yeah. that's the process. And I think the reason why the people are successful in the strength industry, and you know, and the people get stronger in the strength industry, is because they enjoy the process. And the goals just happen along the way. And that's, again, giving you kudos for a little phrase there, process, trusting the process. It may not mean anybody or anything to anyone who's initially starting off, trusting the process. If you have a coach, if you're confident with your coach and he's got a plan for you and he's got a system for you, like trusting the process, you'll get there. At first, it can be kind of frustrating, especially in a day and age where we are so used to getting things instantaneously. Like Alex said, one-click Amazon shopping, boom, it's at your door the next day. That kind of spoils us to a certain extent. So when we have to like, kind of sit down and say, okay, what's my goal? What's my process goal in order to get there? Six months, a year, five years, 10 years, life. We need to be able to understand that this is going to take a little bit of time. But like you said, it's not just getting there. It's enjoying the 
journey, right? Kind of piggybacking off the goals aspect of the topic today. We see a lot of fat loss goals. How do you guys go about training different types of goals? Like, so you have weight loss, maybe hypertrophy, athletes coming in, looking for performance training. I'll say, Alex, how do you approach those different goals if that person is very specific about, I don't want to get too big, I don't want to get too bulky, I want to lose weight, I want to get toned. Oh, man. If people only knew what tone actually meant, <laughs> they wouldn't want to be get more toned. But yeah, I th- again, like if someone comes in and, you know, and I've had this a few times of... <laughs> Oh, I don't want to get too big. I don't want to. If I do pull-ups, will my will my neck get bigger and stuff like that? And luckily, you know, we've had you know a bunch of pretty strong women here that you know can lift some weight around. And you know, I'll just point to them, and it's an easy way of saying, well, do they look too big? And it's like, well, no. Yeah, okay. I think we're and we're we're far away from them, so I don't think we have to worry about anything. And it's also a just just trying to educate them about hormones and what it takes to get there. And again, people think you know it's gonna t- <laughs> they they sniff a weight and they're gonna their biceps are going to grow. Um, <laughs> and it is not like that at all. So I think that, again, the education part's a big part. And then also with fat loss, I think a lot of people will misattribute things and they tend to think that exercise will be the solution to most of their issues. And I've had people tell me that of like, you know, I've been coming in pretty regularly. When, when is the scale going to start to move? And I'll just look at them and be like, how's the diet going? And they're like, uh, not so great or they'll be like oh well I eat pretty well but they're overweight um, and uh, so then then it's just getting them to think more of the entire lifestyle because we like to put things neatly in buckets but it doesn't always work out that way <laughs> and there's a lot of things that will contribute to whatever our goal might be yeah and that's that's really true what you said like we want to put things in buckets and we have this thought that exercise will override what we're doing every day you know like we can out train a bad diet you can't first and foremost you can't just go out on the weekend stuff food in your face and then come in monday through friday kill yourself in the gym that's going to hold you back and it, again it's an education thing it's not trying to make fun of anybody it's not putting anybody down for not knowing this it's it's really just a journey of education and trying to educate people we laugh about the the tone things like but it's the media have you know put this in magazines and newspapers that like this is what this person needs or you know this is what you need to look like this is what fit looks like i don't know what fit looks like it looks different for every person so don't compare yourself to what's in magazines and everything else you see on tv or social media and i think it's it's so important what we do the message we get across in order to help them get to their goals and realize like don't worry about everybody else just worry about yourself and you'll be fine and i think that kind of helps create a, a level of security in themselves because we're so into comparing ourselves to everybody else yeah great point quick tangent too i think with social media we're so used to looking other looking outwardly and judging outwardly but it takes a really it takes a really confident and strong person to look at themselves in the mirror and say all right what do i need to improve about myself how can i make myself better and it really that's what it comes down to it's so easy to say oh look at that person they're doing this and that's that looks ridiculous right but can you look in the mirror and say all right is what i'm doing actually working i've been doing the same thing for a year and i haven't seen any changes in my physique or strength or whatever whatever the goals are so then you really have to take a step back and say all right i am in control of my own actions something i am doing or not doing isn't working so i need to make a change so we need to look a little bit more inwardly and a little bit less out on an iphone or an ipad or whatever yeah and that's that's something like you'll see a lot in the strength conditioning industry and when it comes to coaches per se and like everybody is kind of married to their own way of training and someone does something differently then they immediately put that person down whereas there's many ways to skin a cat if it gets that person to the goal great it may not be your ideal way to do that but there are many ways to go about something i think we just need to encourage people to 
get out there and move and exercise. Here's the thing. If we just encourage people when they get off at five o'clock from their job and say, all right, go out to the nearest park, run around for an hour, they wouldn't need to come to the gym. I still want to have a job, but <laughs> they just went out and played for an hour or two hours every day. I think the crisis of obesity in America may not be solved, but it definitely go a long way to help and reduce the future outcome of it. Although there are many kind of factors that contribute to that. I think it's just number one, getting people to do something first and foremost. So we talked a little bit about weight loss. If someone comes to you looking for hypertrophy or building muscle and they're like, I want to get as big as a house, aka Alex Tansky. <laughs> I want to have, you know, 20 inch biceps and huge quads. Do you go into a program of isolation and training certain muscles or do you try and show that person, okay, this is the way you should train properly. Number one, how to do all the major lifts and kind of show them competency in that and then say, okay, now you're competent, go ahead and have at it. Yeah, I think, you know, the central tenets of how you, your philosophy, I think then <laughs> come out even more because someone comes in like that, you want to make sure like, okay, A, they're still moving really well because, and you can describe it to them and like the better you move, the more more advanced things we can do. So say someone comes in and, you know, they can't really lift their arms above their head really well. And, you know, they have some mobility restrictions. You can easily say, like, if we can clear this up, there is some pretty awesome and badass things that we're going to get you a lot stronger. So I think a lot of that is good. But then also just sticking with all of the compound movements, because again, we remember movements, not muscles. And the more, more advanced movements you can do, you're going to be getting everything everything so like on a deadlift and i'm partial to deadlifts but <laughs> it's a um, love story it is it is but on a deadlift you know obviously we're we're getting a ton of good things so we don't necessarily have to deadlift and then go over and do glute ham raises and then go over and do calf raises and then go over and do uh you know whatever <laughs> we can just deadlift heavy and we're gonna be getting everything we want especially if it's at the appropriate intensity for what our goal is if it's hypertrophy obviously like we're getting we're hitting it hard right definitely growing up when i was younger being exposed to muscle magazines playing soccer i was this skinny kid and i would go to the gym i'd do some bicep curls some tricep kickbacks maybe i squatted maybe i don't know how in my head i didn't see the disconnect of i'm running around a field playing soccer for 90 minutes but i'm making my biceps and triceps bigger how has that helped me well yeah where's the carryover yeah. <laughs> i think i look I, great in the pictures right i think that was i think all men suffer from the extended bro syndrome but that's uh yeah i think the ebs <laughs> anyway of course none of us are saying that any of this is bad Right. And there's, you know, there's really, there's no bad exercises out there when done properly, right? It's just, you, and I think we all agree with this here at the table here, we're dealing with people who are very time crunched. And if you can get more bang for your buck with, you know, you can get more bang for your buck with compound exercises, get in there, get your work done, get out of the gym and still gain some size then why not, right? I mean, if somebody comes in and says, hey, I got all the time of the day, I can you know, work out six times a week. All right, well, let's let's do that, you know, and then we can really kind of work on more refined stuff. Or if they're yeah. bodybuilders, you know, that's their job. They're working on physique, they're working on their appearance. So they need, you know, they need to work on compound movements and isolation and they have more time for all that stuff. But if you don't have time for all that stuff, then let's get you some compound movements. Let's get you competent in the big lifts and, you know, let's, you know, let's hit, hit it hard for, you know, an hour and all right, and be on your way and go pick up your kids and go to your work 
markets like that and stay healthy. Yeah. So for someone who's listening who may not know what the compound lifts are, what are the major movements like, and this kind of plays into your own coach's philosophy, what is it you emphasize that you want to get someone competent in, Alex, when they come in? What's your end goal? Do you want to get them good and, and be able to hip hinge, do a push-up? Yeah, exactly. That's I think uh, that's the places to start is just making sure that we're getting the big movements. So making sure we're getting a hip hinge, which unfortunately too often we really need to reteach to most people because we live in a world where we are just on on all time and it's hard for us to actually sit back in a way that doesn't make us crumple up like a ball. So being able to do that, being able to squat correctly and then being able to make sure we can do do all the other things like you should be able to do a push-up, should be able to do some sort of a lunge and obviously some people doesn't that's not for everybody but you should be able to do the basics because you know you, you may not want to you may not want to train stuff like a lunge or a pull-up or stuff like that, but you should be able to have those basics foundations just from from a, just b- being healthy, but then also making sure that you can do, and I can't think of anything but a zombie apocalypse, but <laughs> but just that you can, you, can, you can do all the things that you want to do in life. Right. Kind of following on. The basic movements for me are like being able to do a hip hinge, being able to squat, being able to do a push-up. And the thing about a push-up is this. There are no girl push-ups. There's push-ups on an incline, and then there's a push-up from the floor. It's a journey in order to get onto the floor and be able to do a fully competent push-up. Someone doing a push-up from their knees is not some, the way I like to train the push-up, because why Why do we have a girl push-up, and what's a guy push-up then? It's, it's kind of silly, and it's kind of hung around. It's one of those things that kind of needs to go away. But just putting someone on an incline, doing a push-up from there, I think it will help a lot better. Yeah, and from a deadlift perspective, the hip hinge perspective, sometimes people might see that and hear that term deadlift and see someone picking up a weight, and immediately they go to, oh, man, they're going to hurt their back. If you know, if we're training somebody like that, spinning that in a more real-world terms where you're saying, okay, you need to be able to pick stuff up. So you, you save a grandkid, you know, you need to be able to pick up your grandkid without fear of throwing out your back, or you need to be able to, you know, pick up a heavy, you know, box without fear of throwing out your back. We're going to teach you how to effectively move your body in such a way that you can pick that up with ease and that this is one way to do it. Yeah. And that's really important for everybody because who doesn't pick stuff up off the ground, especially in, in this area in Boston, people are moving all the time. They're picking up boxes, picking up heavy couches. And if you can hip hinge, you're going to be able to get up for work in the morning and not have to say, I'm and then sick because my back is killing me. Practical, real-life carryover is kind of what general population need, and, and that's a great example right there. So overall, when someone's training with you and they're going towards their goals, they're progressing really well, and you're trying to get them stronger on the side of conditioning, energy system, what are you trying to help them develop there on top of the strength training? Is there anything in particular or any, any modality you like to use in order to help that person develop an energy system? Well, it depends on what the individual is bringing to the table. They're running and they've always been a runner and they're fine with running, then you know, I'll work with that. You know, something that they already know. And just educate them on using different levels of levels of difficulty in running. And, you know, maybe we use a heart rate monitor. Maybe we, you know, I tell them, teach them how to measure their heart rate and say, all right, so you're a runner and you want to improve your conditioning. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to learn how to measure your heart rate, whether it's through a heart rate monitor or using, you know, your your hands um, or whatever. 
and we're going to do workouts that vary based on heart rate. And in the beginning, we're going to spend a lot of time in that 120 to 140 zone, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll use your resting heart rate as a gauge, for example, because that's a, a good way to measure if someone's conditioning is improving, if that resting heart rate is dropping. Right. Um, and once you get down to an, you know, an acceptable level, then we can start getting into a little bit more fancy stuff, right? And a little bit higher intervals and things like that. But that's that's one example. The easiest way is a bike. There's no impact. You know, I think yeah. I think there's a stat out there. It's like 80 percent of, of runners get injured at some point um, i would say that's probably higher so it may not be the best for most people but getting on a bike and um, conditioning from there and again same thing teaching them about how to manage their heart rate if they're familiar with the gym setting and they have pretty decent technique we can just put together simple circuits there's so many different ways to condition more than just running or um, biking those are probably the easiest because people they're accessible and you don't need a whole lot of equipment but if you can teach someone really good technique guys the limit in conditioning right. you can do a, you know a, a general physical preparation circuit of five or six exercises over the course of half an hour where they're keeping their heart rate within a certain zone um there's just there's so many different things you can do yeah what i was talking to with alex before this podcast was about in here we're we're primarily going to focus on getting someone stronger because we have an hour let's you know maximize it and then as you build up that level of competency as you educate them i like to give people you know some homework to do on their own so maybe some of that aerobic work where they're just doing you know work between two heart rates like you said chris and just building that aerobic system because the life system is the aerobic system right and in order to kind of develop that you'll kind of see a drop in the heart rate do you have anybody incorporate that alex as like maybe something to do on their own regard like aerobic work yes definitely and i think you know to just piggyback on what chris said i think one of the often things i'll say is just tell people to go out for a run uh, not a run uh, forget i said that go out for a walk <laughs> go out for a walk no uh, edit afterwards <laughs> Uh, I was just thinking about the next thing I was going to say. Go out for a walk because a lot of times that will just put people in the heart rate zones that they need to be in rather than going out for a run because too often, you know, people will come in and they'll either wear a heart rate monitor when they're conditioning or doing stuff here or if I've convinced them to get a heart rate monitor to do stuff on their own. They come in from running and they'll tell me that they always run at a heart rate of 170. I know in the words of Flo Rida, it makes me cry just a little. (laughs) (laughs) But... But yeah, it, I would say the ho- homework and just to get them a little bit more of that aerobic base. And again, we like to put things neatly in the buckets. It, you can get people to think more longer term as what's going to be best for them, you know, over amount of years or just outside of running. Because people are, I don't think people want to stop running if they run at too high of a heart rate because they're afraid that it won't count for a run. And it's like, no, yeah. we're, we're training your running without running. Um, it's kind of like the same thing. Like you don't necessarily, again, back to deadlifts, you don't have to train a max deadlift every Every time if you just work at a lower percentage you're training your higher percentage but with a lower intensity and the same just goes to anything conditioning wise just to jump in there I th- I'm, I'm not sure that that flow rider came up with that i'm pretty sure he just ripped that off of somebody cry just a little i'm thinking back of like a 19, an 80s song right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> flow rider is when music started i'll have you know so you so you mentioned something or you asked alex about if you have any clients that examples rather Actually, coincidentally enough, just this past week, I have a client who is training to climb Kilimanjaro and uh, with her with her husband. And one of the first things we talked about was in the in the past, she just climbing would just absolutely wreck her. Like last year, she would do a climb, you know, four thousand footer, and that she couldn't walk for days because she was exhausted. One of the, f- the first things I asked her was like, "Well, what's your resting heart rate?" And it was in like the mid seventies, resting heart rate, mid seventies. 
So put her on a steady diet. She had a bike at home, a steady diet of just long, slow. Um, she's somebody who's like eager to, to improve. And I asked her to measure, like keep track of her resting heart rate over time. And I have her screenshot. This is just this past week I met with her and I have a screenshot of her resting heart rate because she mentioned, yeah, my resting heart rate got down to like 62. I'm like, oh, that's great. Can you, te- can you send me screenshots of your data from your heart rate monitor? And she sent me some screenshots. She had been doing just steady state bike work. She'd hop on her stationary bike at home and keep her heart rate in that 120, 130, you know, 140 range for like a half an hour. And she did this pretty consistently and it started to come down. Since the weather got nicer, she's actually going over Harvard and she's not running the stairs like a lot of people do, which is fine. But if you're not ready for it, then you know, we can step it back. Um, there, there were pretty wide steps. Jonathan, you've done them before. Yeah. Um, so she would just go out there and she just climb, walk the steps. That's it. Walk the steps up and then you should go nice and easy on the way down, measure her heart rate. Looking back from June 5th to 11th, her heart rate is in the upper 60s. June 12th to 18th, same thing. Heart rate's in the upper 60s, starting to drop. And last week, it was in the mid-60s, 65, 67, 68. And just this, this week, it dropped down to 62 and 64 a couple days. So um, just over the course of one month, she made a dif- difference in her resting heart rate by being consistent and measuring her heart rate and doing some long, slow, you know, cardio addition to That's her. great, yeah. So that's a great example there of having that, that carryover of something lower intensity that's had a positive impact on her general well-being. You know, so that heart rate has dropped down. She's probably a little bit more relaxed and easier to shut down in the evenings after work or whatever is going on. Yeah, that's fantastic. That kind of gets the message across even better. Yeah, thanks for that. All right, so parting thoughts from myself on exercise and goals is really just being able to incorporate strength training and exercise. Exercise is just moving, right? Right? So like you said, Alex, like walking is a great supplement to maybe your days in the gym. And then over time, obviously, you can maybe perhaps incorporate higher intensity things if you feel that's necessary. But just making exercise part of your routine can be the first step towards living a better life. You know, for me, definitely is. If you want to exercise, you want to get towards your goals, you're going to have to make that commitment towards making it something in your, in your life that's always there. We want to make it something you look forward to because guess what? You want to keep it up if you do look forward to it, right? What are some things you kind of drill across, Alex, regards this is something you have to do? or should be doing for your life in order to live a better life and a longer life. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't come up with this. It might have been it might have been Chris, but just almost like likening exercise to diet and like you can't eat a salad once a week and think that you're going to be healthy. <laughs> Hold on. That's my eating philosophy. <laughs> So, you know, just just making things a part of your long-term process and long-term routines. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not what you do full of clichés. Not what you do one day, it's what you do every day. So, and I think the good thing is when people see a little bit of success, that's it kind of it kind of rolls on itself. The only the problem is obviously getting people to see that initial amount of success and to kind of stay there. And that when the first rock comes in the way that they don't just like jump off the board and they they kind of keep going despite and they kind of step over it and just keep going. So, yeah, and and how to get there with each person can just be I mean, it's just it's just knowing people, knowing personalities and how to connect with them. Yeah, and that's definitely something that comes up for a lot of people is, you know, whenever they face that first big challenge in a new routine, you know, oh, I got to stay late at work tonight. And then they order take because they're just right from work and they're home late. I can't make my sessions tonight because I got to work late or my babysitter cancel or something like this. You know, it's just being able to adapt and kind of work around it and, and keep that flow of creating that new habit in your life. Well, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me today. Input was A plus. That's a real great, right? Chris, can you just tell people real quick where to find more information from yourself, whether it's a website or social media where can they find you this one's pretty easy it's uh i'm on instagram at coach chris mullins 
and my website is also coachchrismullins.com. Cool. Super straightforward. And Alex, where can you be located on the interwebs? In a similar non-exciting fashion. I am just alextansky.com and Instagram and Twitter is just at alextansky. That's at K-E-Y because no one spells my name right, but... That's another point. There you go. <laughs> the public school system failing us again. Yeah, hey, I went to public school, right? <laughs> so did that's I. An, that's an so insult I. to me. But a different country. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Everybody at home, hope you enjoyed listening. Hope you got something positive from today's podcast. Shoot us an email at thefourpillarsofhealth at gmail.com if you want us to cover any topics, any suggestions. And apart from that, have a great weekend or rest your week, depends when you're listening to this. And we'll catch you guys soon. See ya.